0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, well, good morning again, everybody. Good morning. morning. Hey, can we give the band a hand and say thank you for leading us in worship? Thank you, team. Thank you, Katerina and Kat and Keith. Does your name have to start with a K to lead in the team? Think so? Yeah? Okay, great. Well, um, it's great to be back here in Loxahatchee with you guys. Uh, For those of you who are just now jumping in on the stream online, my name's Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks again for joining us for worship. And uh, it's great to be back here in Loxahatchee. I've been gone for a couple weeks. I've been over at our West Palm Beach campus filling in. Some of you know our our campus pastor over there, Pastor Jose. He had his first kid a couple weeks ago. Isn't that great? Yeah. So, Jose and Giselle and baby Caleb, if you're watching online, we're glad that you're here today, too. He's still on paternity leave. He'll be back at West Palm Beach, I believe, next week, and so we're really excited about that. The timing of Jose going on paternity leave was um, perfect for him, because uh, Giselle started going to labor the Friday morning before. Remember a couple weeks ago when Pastor Dale preached on sex? Remember that? Yeah. So, a day and a half before we had to go do that, guess who got called in for batting relief? Me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, I love my life. And then, so that was Friday, and then the Saturday morning after that, Pastor Efrain, everything's okay, he's okay, but Pastor Efrain for CUH Espanol also went into the hospital. I know, so, but his backup is Pastor Jose, because he's bilingual. Oh, no, so guess who had to preach for Jose and for Efrain in Spanish? Super gringo, right here. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing the past couple weeks? It's been a little busy for me. So, it's great to be back here in Loxahatchee with everybody. It's always great to be in West Palm Beach. I had the privilege of preaching with a translator, C.U.H. Español. just. Amazing experience. It was really gracious and went well. But it's great to be back here with all of you today. Hey, listen. Before we jump into today's message, uh, this is especially for those of you who are streaming online. Today is the day that we start our monthly outdoor worship services. We really heard that at our Christmas Eve, Eve experience, where over five hundred people came to worship outside. There's still a lot of people not yet ready to return to in-person worship, and we want to let you know we heard you, and we're creating this opportunity for you. It's tonight at five p.m. Weather permitting, of course, but From the looks of the radar, we're game on for tonight. We'll see you there. Make sure you bring your own chair, and it's going to be great. Now, for everybody, remember, this is not a uniquely different experience. It's Sunday morning, the same message, the same series. It's just outside. So make sure that um, if you are somebody who's just ready to come to church in some form or fashion but not ready to be in this room yet, we'll see you tonight at 5. Bring your kids. It's going to be a great time. Awesome. Well, listen, we're going to jump into our message today. Grab your Bible or your CWH app or your notes. Have you, have you, you know, take notes or read your Bible during this time. We're going to dive on in. We're in a series. We're calling How Life Works. So everyone say that with me. How Life Works. Where we're going through Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is widely regarded as the greatest sermon ever preached. And honestly, if you look at it, even from an outsider religious perspective, there have been I'm not sure if there's any other rhetorical deliveries of speech that have ever impacted human society, not only Western civilization, but even parts of Eastern civilization, more than the Sermon on the Mount. This has shaped us and our thought more than we could possibly Imagine, And it's life-changing. Our theme verse for the series, we're going to put it up on the screen, is Matthew 7, verse 24. We're going to read it out loud all together. This is at the end of the message when Jesus teaches us this. He says this. Therefore, everyone... Come on, now, let's start that again. You all need to be with me. Come on, drink some coffee, take a big gulp, ready, and here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, this is Jesus' view of how life works according to the Father's design and how it works best for human life and human flourishing. He's just not having a random religious tirade. He's saying if you want your life to work well, if you want your life to weather the storms that happen for every single human life, you need to build your life upon the rock, which is his teaching for how life works and how it works best now this past month we've been looking at Jesus' teaching in matthew chapter 5 we spent four ish weeks i think we're in week five so four weeks on just one chapter of scripture alone today we're going to turn the page and go to matthew chapter 6 where jesus also changes his emphasis now, here's, let me illustrate this. Now, I have way too many coffee cups in my house. Anybody have that problem when you have way too many coffee cups? Yeah. Um, if, if you cut me open right now, coffee's going to come on out. Trevor, how are you doing it with four kids? Insane amounts of caffeine, enough to kill a small horse. That's how I'm doing it, okay? Lots and lots of caffeine. So I drink a lot of coffee. I have a lot of coffee cups. I also have a lot of coffee tumblers. And I have way too many coffee tumblers, and I brought some here for show and tell for everybody here today. I know. This is why you woke up and came to church, to look at this stuff. I digress. I'm um, going to show you some of my coffee tumblers. Um, I really like Yetis. Where's my Yeti people at? Yeah, we're in Hatchy. all right? So um, here's one of my Yetis. I like this because it's black. My favorite color is black. I love it, I love it. So this is a Yeti. I also have some generic ones. I have a generic Community of Hope Yeti. So this is cool. Oh, this is not for sale, I'm sorry. I got this. (laughs) I just heard a fundraising opportunity. Oh! (laughs) All right, I'm gonna put that in the back of my head. Um, so I got this as part of being a part of our lead team, and it was a gift one year for Christmas, so it's nice, so, oh, so there's a Community of Hope Tumblr. I have another generic Tumblr, a generic Yeti. Um, this is my, uh, the small group my wife and I are part of. We're called the Avengers Anonymous, and here's my name. On that, I know we're a nerd small group. We just are. We're a bunch of nerds. So, Avengers, what's up? See you tonight the outdoor service. We're going to have a picnic all together. Um, so, here's this. Now, um, not everybody's a Yeti person who comes to tumblers. I also have a couple Tervises. Does anybody like turvis cups? Yeah, okay. So, I have a couple Tervis ones that you guys have given me. Um, here are two Tervis ones. They're both commemorating the Bucks Super Bowl, championship win last year. Don't you dare boo me. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. And so, you know, my, my, my Buccaneers, Tervis, Tumblers, and this is great. So people have been asking me all week long. And if, you, if you've been living under a rock, the great Tom Brady officially retired from football this past week. I know. Don't clap for that. Well, you can, I'm going to take that as a support for Tom. And so, <laughs> And so people have been asking me all week long, like, Trevor, how are you doing with the news that Tom Brady retired? And I'm like, well, you know, grief comes in waves, and we're, we're taking it day by day. We're making it. We're getting there. So. But, so these are my beloved Buccaneers, my tumblers, my Super Bowl tumblers that I'll cherish forever and ever and ever. So I have these. And uh, oh no, I left one in the car. Well, that's okay. So anyway, I'm gonna pretend that it's a Starbucks tumbler right here. Okay, can you guys use your imaginations? I have four kids. I left one thing in the car. Okay. And uh, my, actual, my actual favorite Tumblr that I have is actually Starbucks brand, more than Yeti, more than anything else. If you bought an actual coffee holder, like a metal one from Starbucks, those things are the best. They're airtight. They're spill-proof. They're like almost indestructible. I love them. I've had one for over 10 years that's sitting in my car right now. My wife last week tried to recycle it because it's dented. It has scratch in it. It's been kind of scratched up with the plastic on top. She's like, this is gross. Try to recycle it. I pulled it out of the recycling bin going, what are you doing? This is my favorite one. He's like throwing away one of my children. Too many. I know I have too many. I know. <laughs> Whatever. Who invited you? Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I need to go to Gary Chapman to learn how to love my wife better. <laughs> so, I have the Starbucks thing anyway and I love it. I've had it forever because it's amazing like airtight spill proof it's wonderful except for like what you did what i did this morning i accidentally leave it in the car now um some of you are type a people and super clean and spick and spin and your car is always like immaculate and i'm not <laughs> like that um, occasionally I'll forget my tum- I seriously did not plan to leave it in the car. This is perfect. Um, I sometimes leave my tumbler in the car on accident. It takes me, a couple, where's my tumbler? It's in the car. If you've ever had a coffee tumbler with a really good lid on it and you forgot to open it up after a couple days, and you open it up and you look inside, it's like a science experiment has started on the inside. It's like a Petri dish. It's like, ew, gross, right? Think with me about this. How gross would it be with a coffee cup? I going to pick one here. How gross would it be with a coffee cup that I'd forgotten to clean out and it was like a disgusting science experiment on the inside that would take it inside, wash the outside thoroughly, but never take off the top or clean the inside? Gross. It's like something from Fear Factor, right? Jesus makes this exact point. In some of his teachings. In fact, he does it later on in the Gospel of Matthew. He critiques religious people. He says, You guys clean the outside of your cup, but your inside is filthy. And see what Jesus is doing today in Matthew 6, returning the page on the emphasis from Matthew 5 to Matthew 6, is Matthew 5 does speak to both the inside and the outside, but especially the past several weeks, we've been talking about a lot of the outside of people's cup. And we turn to Matthew 6, he really begins to hone in on the internal issues, issues of purity of heart on the inside. And this is the way he's going to help us focus on. The great founder of the Methodist revival, John Wesley, used to say that the enemy of your soul will, for the rest of your life, try to have you separate the outward expression of your faith from the inward expression of your faith. He tries to separate them, make them different issues. Some people focus only on their inside relationship with God, and I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual, and I have my personal relationship that I have with God, I'm a spiritual person, it's all about just loving God and people, but then they do whatever they want with their relationships, they do whatever they want with their money, they do whatever they want with their words, and they do whatever they want with their bodies. But internally, I'm connected to the universe, And Jesus calls foul on that. He he throws a flag on it. At the same time, super religious people will focus on the outside and do lots of religious things and do all the Christian things. And they'll do all the church things. On the outside, they look very religious, but they never let the love of Jesus transform their hearts from the inside out. Jesus focuses on both. He says, I want to clean you on the inside so it works its way out, and so that you're clean on the outside, too. And this is what we're doing today as we begin in Matthew 6. So, if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It's going to be on the screen. And here are the words of Jesus. He says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do... And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm going to skip to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be, will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray, uh, one of the prayers of the psalmist, that today you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law. We want to see wonderful things, delightful things, life-changing things, breathtaking things, eternity-shaping things. Things that are so beautiful would cause us to fall in love with you. Things that are so beautiful that if we're not a part of your kingdom yet, that we would want to become part of it. Lord, you say that it's your kindness that leads people to repentance, and so would you pour and uh, just give an outpouring of kindness upon us today that would lead all of us to align our lives more with you and your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, so let's talk about what we just read. First off, you may have noticed that I skipped 7 through 15. You're like, hold on, Pastor Trevor. You guys said you're preaching verse by verse through this bad boy. We are. We're going to come back to 7 through 15 next week, so make sure you come for that. Today, we're talking about this clear pattern that Jesus has in these verses 1 through 6, and he picks up on the pattern again in 16 through 18. You might have noticed it. He gives a warning against hypocrisy and say, hypocrites have a reward. And then he gives a suggestion for what he says to do instead. And if you do that, then there's the reward that comes from the Father. Jesus repeats this pattern not once, not twice, but three times. And does it on three specific topics. Around giving, around praying, and around fasting. So let's talk about those for a second. Let's talk about giving. Let's talk about giving. So when Jesus is talking about giving, this is an important aspect of us. We need to decide on Dissect this. Giving is an important practice for any person who wants to be a follower of God. God is generous, and so it's important that in our own character that we learn to become generous as God is generous. Now, Jesus says, Don't be like hypocrites by announcing giving with trumpets. Now, it might be easy when you're reading the Bible. Well, did they do that in ancient times? And I'm here to tell you, nobody did that in ancient times. Jesus, ready for this, is being funny. Jesus has a sense of humor. Jesus is making fun of people. Jesus is being an ancient Jewish stand up comedian right now. And it's hilarious. Now, for me, my sense of humor is sarcastic. Raise your hand if you have a sarcastic sense of humor. Guys, this is our moment. This is it. This is it. And so Jesus is being so sarcastic, making fun of hypocrites and how they practice their faith. He say, don't be like the hypocrites when they do their giving, they announce it with trumpets. Da, 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 da. Look, I have given. That's the equivalent to me saying here, don't be like this in here. So whether you give online with a button on your phone or whether you put something in the basket or wherever you're watching this from online, imagine somebody's passing a basket in church and you take out an envelope with your offering in it and it comes to you and you hold it and you look all around you get everyone's attention and you drop your envelope in there and go, Shazam! Just like that. It's ridiculous, right? It, Shazam! That's right. Don't actually do that. I saw some of you practicing that. Don't do that. It's it's absurd. And so Jesus said, "Man, if you if they do that, you already have your reward and fall." So what's Jesus's solution? What's his solution to this? It said, well, if you're not careful, if you read this the wrong way, like some of us have a sarcastic personality. Some people have personalities where they're rule followers and they're type A people, and they do it by the book. Where's my by the book people? Okay, a couple of hands. I'm not going to make fun of you. Don't worry. Like, what's he about to say? Um, if you 're a by the book person, you can read this the wrong way and totally miss the point of what jesus is saying. So if you read it by the book you 're okay so jesus 's solution to not becoming a hypocrite around giving is to give entirely in secret in a cloak of darkness don 't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Pastor Trevor does that mean my spouse is allowed to know what we give or not? Pastor Trevor does that mean i 'm only allowed to bring unmarked bills to church so it 's off the grid. Pastor Trevor, it's tax season. Do I not give my giving statement to the IRS? Or what do I do? You're missing the point. That is totally not, not, not the point altogether. Remember, there's a story in the scriptures where Jesus saw a widow putting two copper coins in. And he said, that woman just outgave everybody here. Because remember, God doesn't see dollars. God sees percentages. Because God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart, okay? Okay. So Jesus didn't critique her, she let me see her giving, hypocrite. Not the point. Not the point. So what's his point? We'll get back to that in a little bit. So he talks about giving. He talks about praying. Praying. Ah, Jesus goes on to say, ah, it's another important practice for anybody who wants to know God. And he says, hypocrites go and they pray in the synagogue, which I'm sure many of you have seen people try to show off religiously with praying. I mean, people do that. It makes people do that in church. It's kind of weird when they do that sometimes. Um, but then he goes, and then they go on the street corners and pray. What a weird thing to go do, to pray loudly, to be seen by other people. Think about it in our context today. Imagine if I went to Clematis Street on Friday night, picked a street corner, opened up a guitar case, but since I can't play guitar, I'm going to pray loudly for hours, and maybe somebody would tip me because I'm such a good prayer warrior. I'm so spiritual. You know what that would land me? That would land me with people filming me, and putting me on Instagram, going, see, I knew he was weird all along. That's what would happen. Jesus is making fun of people, which is why I love him. I love this part of him. So he says, listen, if you do that, if you're praying for a show, you already have your reward. So what's his solution? Again, if you're a rule follower and if you're by-the-book person, you might miss the point, because on surface level, it looks like, ah, his point is, never pray in public, only pray in private and by yourself forever. That's not his point, because we know in Scripture that Jesus prayed in front of people all the time. He prayed with his other followers. People saw it, people have it recorded, and he prayed in private. So is it that? No, it's not that. What's well, his point? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. And so... Giving, praying, then he goes to fasting. Fasting, which is another important aspect if you're somebody who wants to grow in your relationship with Jesus, grow in your spiritual life, grow to know God, strengthen your prayer life. Notice here too, by the way, just side note, Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. We could probably grow in this as a church. Okay, gulp, all right. I'll come back to fasting another time, not today. I was gonna eat chicken wings today. Okay, great. Back to fasting. So he says, now, now don't be like the hypocrites if when they're fasting and says they disfigure their faces. If you look at the Greek word there, it's like the literal equivalent of make your face ugly, to make something ugly. So somebody, what Jesus is saying is, like if you read it, it says, thou shalt not disfigure thy face. It sounds very spiritual. What he's really saying is, Don't, when you're doing your makeup in the morning, make yourself look like garbage so people will know how spiritual you are. Like, I need more ashes. I'm going to make my bags look really deep under my eyes. I'm going to look like so much garbage. People are going to know how spiritual I am because I'm fasting. It's not righteous. It's ridiculous, right? And so what's Jesus' solution for this? Well, if you read, he says, so put oil on your head and wash your face. So in my skincare regimen, use extra virgin olive oil, just spirit all over my face. And that's what Jesus wants me to do. Is that what Jesus wants us to do? No, you get the point. It's not his point. That's not the point. So what is his point? I'm glad you asked. His point in all of this, his point in all of this is he's getting at what is your motivation, your motivation for doing spiritual activities for spiritual discipline, so to say, for God's stuff. What is your motivation in all of this? And Jesus is ultimately getting at that the right thing done for the wrong reason will lead to actual spiritual death in you. Doing the right stuff on the surface level, but for the wrong reasons inside of you will lead to life draining out of you, not to receiving more and more of it. You know, our world has always struggled with this. Our world is really deeply sick with this right now. We've always been struggled with being motivated by the approval of others, by people-pleasing, by popularity and praise. It's part of the fallen human condition. We're all susceptible to this. But now, because of things like social media, you could quantify how much people like what you say and do all because of things like the Facebook like button or the expanded Facebook like, where now it's not only if you like it, it's like love, ha ha ha. Wow. Sad, angry. This is on Facebook. There's a like button on Instagram. There's a like button on TikTok, And this is all over the place. Now, don't worry if you're not a social media person, I'll make this relevant to you too. Like I don't have that Insta face stuff. I know just, just roll with me for a minute. But this is a huge part of our society and in our culture. And this is becoming an actual growing problem. This is dangerous for us for a few different reasons. One is neuroscientists are beginning to comment more and more on how a like on Facebook or some other social media platform triggers a dopamine release in your brain. Literally, a chemical release in your brain chemistry. Now, for those of you who need a refresher, dopamine is the chemical that gives you feelings of satisfaction and pleasure. Similar to when you win money. Similar to when you eat a great meal. When you exercise, when you get rewards for doing something good. It's also linked to addiction. It releases dopamine. In fact, check this out. Well, a former executive at Facebook, his name is Chamath Pahaptia. He used to be in charge of user growth as a vice president of Facebook, and now he resigned from the company. He speaks against social media, and he even says he won't let his kids touch Facebook. He says this about what this pattern has created, that people at that company, they're not evil. They're, they're good-meaning people who have built these apparatuses over the past 20 years, but here's the unintended consequences of some of these things. He says, the short-term, dopamine-driven feedback loops we've created are destroying how our society works. One of the ways that this destroys how society works is um, the term virtue signaling. You guys heard of virtue signaling? Some people have, some people haven't. Virtue signaling is a term that came about Uh, It started to get really popular use in 2015 when people were talking about some online behavior. Here's how one dictionary uh, defines this term. Virtue signaling is an attempt to show other people that you are a good person. I'm going to show everybody that I'm a good person by expressing opinions that will be acceptable to others. I want want everybody to know I'm a good person, so I'm going to put this opinion out there, I'm going to publish it, and everyone will see that I am a virtuous person. Other people have described this self-glorifying online behavior. It's, I am for this cause, or I am against that cause. I'm for this person. I'm against that person. They splatter it all over everywhere in the internet. Here's the only problem with some of this stuff. Like Again, I'm not like an anti-internet person. I'm not sitting in my office with a tinfoil hat. I was on Facebook this morning, okay? Um, Even if you're anti-social media, it doesn't mean you have a tinfoil hat on. I'm not making fun of you. Just to be said, just to be said. Here's the only problem with this. Back in the day, virtue used to be something that you could only demonstrate by what you did with your actions and not by your opinion. And now we have it backwards. Virtue is what you express with your opinion and who cares what you do because nobody sees it unless you post it. Picks or it didn't happen. Is that good for us? Is this making our society better, healthier, more just, loving, compassionate, good, or virtuous? I don't think so. Now, see, people have struggled with this way before all this stuff came out. This is a human condition issue. The problem is we just have like a multi-billion dollar apparatus that is incentivizing people acting this way. In our teaching team this week, um, some people brought... Um, a couple of YouTube videos, and we're not going to show them here because you'll understand why in a minute. Um, they brought some YouTube videos to show us. And at first, I didn't understand why they brought them to our team because it was it's a it's a tra, it's a blah 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 it's a trend on YouTube where younger people are taking huge amounts of cash and they're giving it to people who are experiencing homelessness. Now, is it a good thing to? help support people and be compassionate of those who are experiencing homelessness? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a great thing. Except for when you have a film crew with you to watch you hand off $30,000 to a homeless person, you're not even looking at them, but looking at the camera to make sure that they click subscribe to your channel and click like on the video and share with their friends. Are you kidding me? It's not righteous, it's ridiculous, right? This isn't good for us. Now, it's super easy. Here's where we have to resist the temptation. It's super easy for us to come in here today and go, look at all those hypocrites on YouTube doing that. Wow, I'm so glad I'm not like that. But let me ask you some questions. Do you ever get upset for doing something good and nobody notices that you did it? Let me ask you another question. Do you ever get upset when somebody does some sort of spiritual activity and they get credit for it, but you've done the same thing and nobody gave you credit for it? Do you ever get jealous or envious with that person? See, this is all in us. This is inside all of us. It's a sickness we all struggle with in some form or fashion or another. And Jesus says, if you struggle with this, if you do this, if you give in to this temptation, you will have your reward in full. Which that phrase, your reward in full, was actually an ancient way that people would stamp receipts, like business transactions. Go, this receipt, this invoice has been paid in full, as in, if you do that, you'll get applause. You'll get attaboys from people. You'll get likes. You'll get comments. You'll get subscribers. You'll get shares. You'll get good jobs. You'll get high fives. And then you'll get a receipt. Go, there it is. You're going to get nothing more for that. And it's done. It's empty. It's over. You've gotten your reward in full. How empty is that? That feels like sand falling through my fingers. Going, what did I give my life to? There's got to be more than that, right? Now remember, in the passage, Jesus says... There are two rewards. There's the reward of the hypocrite who practices their righteousness and practices their spirituality to be seen by everybody and they got exactly what they're looking for, fleeting as it is. But then there's the reward of somebody who tries to do it his way. There's the reward of somebody who's seeking a different kind of, here it is, audience. See, what Jesus is completely getting at in this passage is what's your motivation and who is your audience? When Jesus says that the Father will reward, the Father who is unseen will reward what you do in secret, listen to this. This is Hebrews 11.6. It says this, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is a reward-giving God. Now, just to be clear, God's love is unconditional. His grace is free, and salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. It's not a reward you earn, it's a gift you say yes to and receive it for free. There's a part of God that, beyond that, wants to reward you for leaning in into your relationship with Him. If the broken way of going about this is the right thing, for the wrong reasons, leads to you losing life, then the inverse is true, that doing the right things for the right reasons will lead to eternal life. What Jesus wants you and I and everybody online to do today is to quit chasing the approval of everyone else around us to chase the applause and the yay you from everybody else and to start chasing an audience of one. Oz Guinness, great Christian author, says this. I live before the audience of one. Before others, I have nothing to gain. I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to prove. But if I live for an audience of one person, of God the Father, if I'm chasing after his approval and his applause and his satisfaction, if I'm chasing after all those things, I have everything to gain. Everything to gain, and it won't fall through my hands like sifting sand. It will be rewarded to me in eternity. Jesus said to his disciples at one point, he said, whatever you've left in this life, which would include the applause of others, and gave up for me, you'll receive a hundred times more, not only in this life, but in the life to come. It's a reward that won't perish or spoil or fade guys, I'm tired of living for the applause of the algorithm. I want to live for the applause of the almighty. And this is what he's calling us to. Now, but here's the key to all of this. How do you do that, especially if you're addicted to the applause of other people? You got to be honest with you. I am. Like when I do this for my living, and I'm literally in front of people every seven days, and I'm on the internet It's really easy for people who wear microphones to get sucked into this. And I just can't flip a switch and go, okay, well, I'll just stop feeling that way. You ever had somebody do that to you? They look at you and go, well, just stop it. Well, just stop. Why don't you just stop it? I would if I could? I just kind of came out. Anyway. Anyway, Jesus gives you the way to stop it. A beautiful, helpful tool. It's the discipline of secrecy. Here's where the secrecy piece comes into his teaching. It's a discipline. People get this wrong when they make secrecy the goal. like The end goal, the rule is be secret. It's not the rule. It's the tool. When you practice secrecy in your faith, and your disciplines, in your giving, your praying, your fasting, in any other spiritual activity where you're trying to win the approval of God and other people, when you insert secrecy as a part of the equation of that, it purifies the heart. Uh, Dallas Willard once wrote this. It's not on the screen, but just listen to me. He said, The spiritual discipline of secrecy is consciously refraining from having our good deeds and qualities generally known, which in turn rightly disciplines our longing for recognition. The discipline of secrecy will help us break the grip of human opinion over our souls and our actions. Secrecy is the tool. It's not the end. It's the means. And we learn to practice secrecy, it sucks the poison out of my heart of wanting to seek the applause of everyone else. And it consolidates all my reward-seeking to the reward that comes from one. I've seen this in my own life. Just three weeks ago, Leah and I had our first date since our baby was born. Hey. And, uh, but the baby came with us. <laughs> I know, we were sitting next to an older couple, we were at a very nice restaurant, and they loved our baby, and Ace was just so cute, and they are like, oh, that's so nice, and they were finished about halfway through our meal, and we went to go pay for our check, and they had paid for our very nice dinner, and didn't say a word. They don't know who I am, they're not part of our church, they were just doing it to it, and didn't say anything, got up and left. Man, their reward isn't us going, thank you, their reward is a different and higher kind of reward. Five years ago, um here at our church i, I do a, a lot of things on my ipad and the ipad i had at the time was getting old and it was getting slow and i i brought that ipad to all of my groups all of my meetings and just everything with church i was running my life at church through this thing and i said to a couple people one time wasn't super grumbly about it. it's like man man this is just getting kind of old and slow i might need to start saving up or something we we're just making conversation i don't know who picked up on it one day i walked outside the door of my house five years ago And there was a box there. And it wasn't like a box from Amazon where there was a gift receipt. It was a box that had already been opened. It was from somebody's house. And I opened it up. And inside this box was another box. And it was a box of a brand new iPad with no note, no card, no nothing. There was a barcode on the box. And I'm good with computers. and I thought I'd scan it. It was a fake barcode they put on there to throw me off so I couldn't find out who it was. To this day, I still don't know who gave it to me. Somebody who's just being Robin Hood for Jesus. I was like, I've seen you guys do this. There were people in the pandemic. uh, We had, uh, there's several young couples in our church and one of them had just had a baby and they're just scrapping things together and they had lost some income because of the pandemic and because of hours and all sorts of stuff. So they had a baby, loss of income, and then their AC broke in the middle of summer. Can you imagine that? You have a newborn at home, your AC breaks, and you're broke. What are you going to do? Well, there was a couple in our church who worked through the back channels of our church to completely pay for a whole new brand new AC unit in their house, and that couple never found out who the other couple was. Amazing generosity. There was somebody last year in our church who, um, through the back channels of our church, gave multiple thousand dollars to family with extremely high medical expenses, and they didn't want anybody to know it was them. Beautiful. I know people who have created burner accounts, and if you don't know what a burner account is, ask your kids. They'll tell you. (laughs) A burner account is a fake account online that somebody makes, which usually they make it for evil purposes or for destructive purposes, I know people who've made burner accounts so they can anonymously encourage people in their life and get none of the reward of making somebody feel better about themselves. See, so when you practice secrecy, it does this beautiful, purifying thing to your heart rate. you keep this joy, and it lasts so much longer than a thank you. Oh, it lasts so much longer than that, and beyond that, there's a reward that Father, the Father says is in heaven. So here's my challenge to you this week. What can you practice in secret this week to purify your heart? Is there somebody you could bless? Is there somebody's dinner who you could pay if you go out to dinner or lunch sometime this week? Is there someone who you can encourage anonymously? Is there somebody who you could pray and maybe even fast for in an intense way for their life and them never even know? And how about this? Is there a way that you could seek God that's only just between you and Him? That doesn't end up online, that doesn't end up with your small group? No, it's just between the two of you. Try it. It'll change your life. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life, we thank you for your teaching we thank you for showing us how life works best. And most of all, we thank you that you didn't come to give us just a, a philosophy of how to do life better. You came to give us an atoning sacrifice to cleanse us of our sins. To change us from the inside out, Lord. We're not washed by our own strength or our own good deeds or our own application, but by the power of your spirit applying the blood of Jesus to the depths of our heart. And we thank you that you cleanse us through and through. We thank you that who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we thank you that because we have confessed our sins to you that you are righteous and just and you have promised to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we worship you for that. Lord, would you pour out grace on all of us to walk in your ways, to follow after you and how you say how life works best. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. Friends, go chase the audience of one. We'll see you next week.